My sleep last night is on a wee bit of astroturf. The lovely folks at Roosevelt Lake Marina set it up for us Arizona Trail backpackers, as well as a picnic table and a tiny hut with outlets to charge phones and batteries. It's here that people leave all the food they don't want to carry. And it turns out I've lost the appetite for what I sent myself in a resupply box here at Roosevelt Lake. So the oatmeal, the pasta, they're traded for fancy store-bought food, including a bag of tortillas. I mean, I really want to and certainly try to eat well on the trail, but invariably, I fail miserably. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. It's a choice between heading straight up, then down, on a rocky road before another steep ascent, or a hitch of about a mile on road to the trailhead. I guess I've come to an age where lines are being drawn. (laughs) Just next to me, Russ is having breakfast at a picnic table. He's part of the trail maintenance crew and slept in his car. He's early and happy to drive me that mile down the road and across the beautiful girder bridge. He tells me to get to where they're working on the trail, he's going to need to rent a jeep to get over that steep section I walked yesterday. Yes, it's truly that bad, and I'm so glad I didn't wipe out on it. From the road, I head right back into awful ball-bearing rocks on the steep vineyard trail. It's exhausting hauling myself up, even with just three days of food in my pack. But I like going up, and I get my rhythm quickly. It's eight miles to reliable water, but I'm already peeing on the trail after a big camel up. The lake is a deep blue and shimmers in the morning light. Above me is a radio tower, which looks more like a billboard. That's what Bob and Roe ask me when they catch up. What's it for? Showing movies? I begin to see hundreds of wildflowers, purple geranium and white taxstem for the first time, and a carpet of yellowy-orange Mexican poppies with deep indigo lupin interspersed. Bob and Roe point out lilies, though I'm pretty sure they're rock hibiscus. Just where they plan to turn back is a kind of saddle with a sheer drop down to another dammed lake. Saguaro march up and down the hill here, enormous and old. In one scenario, a leader high atop a hill holds his arms up to his followers in a sort of sermon on the mount. I head right for that leader and then walk through them, sidling the steepness. Landslips eject fist-sized stones and they crackle under my feet as I walk on them. I'm amazed how fast I've risen from the lake, which stretches out long below craggy hills. I'm also mesmerized by the flowers, everywhere. The wind keeps me cool, the sun's at my back, and birds sing with joy on this first day of spring. I leave the saguaro behind and begin walking a ridge, the land falling away beside me covered in bright yellow. The trail is steep as I head for the hills beneath the four peaks, rocky and imposing. I see signs above and top out at a small parking lot from a long forest road. (laughs) I guess I could have started here. 
but I would have missed the saguaro parade and the poppy fields. I'm about to start the Mills Ridge Trail. A sign warns me about black bear, and I'm glad I brought an odor-proof food bag. The trail gets really steep now, contouring a mountain straight up. But I'm happier going up than trying to stay upright headed down on big, slippery stones. Flowers still follow me, including desert honeysuckle, but they peter out as I rise, giving way to bushes with a white spray of flowers that's beautifully fragrant. Soon I descend, yes, on loose stones again, heading into my first reliable water. Buckhorn Creek is flowing beautifully, and I fill bottles and myself as well as have lunch. There are some small pools another eight miles ahead, then camping, after which I see now can be a problem in this steep, rocky, sidling kind of walking. I head on up, deciding to try to make that water source and camping further along, but it takes me so long to get very far. I guess we'll just have to see. I walk through a tunnel of grabby, sticky things, and am particularly happy I wear long pants so thorns scratch them, not me. And then I meet Mike heading down. He seems to be carrying very little, and admits he was quite cold last night. I tell him my plan, and he's impressed by people who just keep hiking. Of course, I have a good amount of water right now, so I can stop early if I have to. It's another mile or so straight up before the trail reaches the ridge. I don't walk on top of it. It's more of a balcony walk. And it's astounding how high I am, about 3,500 feet above the lake, and it's spread out before me with all the mountains and hills below. I work my way slowly towards the four peaks on long contours heading sharply in towards creek beds tracing a V. It's very steep to my right, so I'm careful where I place my feet. Sometimes the trail moves well, and other times it forges up or down steeply on rock. Each wash I come to is a destructive rocky explosion, and I'm glad I wasn't here when it happened. The path is somewhat overgrown, though surprisingly well cared for so high up here. I'm on a balcony and completely open to the air. It's like flying. I meet patches of snow and a bit of mud, but nothing to slow my progress, though it's really hard to tell how far I've gone. I move a long ways in and then come right back out, up a little bit and over a rocky outcropping. The hills below the peaks appear like stairs that I'm slowly climbing. Soon, ponderosa pine appear, unusually tall and sparse. There's evidence of fire, and I wonder if these gentle giants will ever return. Up and over and around I go, finally walking directly under the peaks. My final thrust to the water, alder saddle, requires extraordinarily long stretches out and around and back in. But I can see the wash, which looks like all the others, but still has some tiny pools. It takes some time to fill up my dirty water bag before I head on, planning to filter when I find a site. The shadow of the ridge is long over the foothills, but the lake is still azure as the distant peaks pinken. I head steeply up on rock, then down switchbacks and up again over an outcropping. I can see a ridge ahead with some tall pines, and it looks flat. It is. It's a tiny site, 
just for one with a down tree to sit on. I set up quickly and eat just as the sky turns magenta. It is cold, but even seeing snow on the mountain, I doubt it will freeze. What a day it was, one that reminded me more of the PCT. I felt strong and I felt more like myself. I'm not sure if that's the more familiar, straightforward trail or my getting stronger. In any case, the views and the wide-open feeling like flying made all the work worth it. And now it's time to sleep with the wind whispering through pine needles. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review on Apple to help the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can support the show financially as a patron and help me get on trail to collect sounds and create these stories. Find a link to Patreon at the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. That's also where you can find other episodes, the blog, see pictures, and contact me, blissfulhiker.com. Next week, the trail joins a long, boring road and an unmaintained, overgrown, rocky awfulness that finally, joyously, joins a river. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails.